good evening, everybody. It's Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations on WBOK, and we are um, going to talk about some serious matters initially, and then uh, how can we resist talking about Thanksgiving and all the wonderful treats that we all prepare for people. So we're going to deal with some uh, wonderful recipe suggestions from a couple of our uh, fine, um, very loved uh, uh, eateries in town, Mothers and Parkway Bakery and Tavern. But to start off, we're going to talk with a gentleman who stepped out in front of a very important issue and um, is, is maybe uh, really going to accomplish some remarkable change that we need in our state. So his name is Robert Taylor, and I believe he's on the line with us. Robert, are you there? Hello, Jean. Yes, I'm here. Great. Okay. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the deal, folks. So, you know that we've granted major tax exemptions to petrochemical companies, all, all kinds of uh, companies, not just petrochemical, in the state, but a lot to uh, many of these petrochemical companies that line the river and, um, you know, they do bring revenue to the state. There's no getting away from that and some jobs, uh, but they also bring pollution. And um, Mr. Taylor is with the Concerned Citizens of St. John Parish, where um, Marathon, that's one of the major companies in the country that produces, um, how do you say it, chloroprene? Yes. Um, is located in that parish. And... Um, there was a change, and I don't really know how it was achieved, but there was a change recently in how these exemptions are voted on. And um, uh, uh, there was a, an effort to give a little bit more um, power to local communities. And as a result, in two cases so far, actually I think three that I know of, one in Orleans, one in East Baton Rouge, and now one in St. John, where the community pushed back and said, um, no, uh-uh, we would rather have those tax revenues for our schools, for example. So with that preface, if you wouldn't mind, Robert, would you tell me about your organization and and the concerns that you all have about, I guess it's Marathon, but it's also another company that has a, a, a plant there. And, and, and uh, tell me what you all are trying to do. Yeah, I'd be glad to. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share this information. <clears throat> we're we're uh, we're what you call right in the belly of the beast in a reserve, in, uh, which is Central St. John of Baptist Parish on the East Bank, and we're sitting between these two giant companies. Danker uh, Dupont is virtually in our front yard. We are. Fence line communities. These are the ones that are, are, are emitting uh, these chemicals that we are fighting. That's really, really affecting the community. Chloroprene being the primary one, but they emit. They are licensed by the state to dump 29 chemicals in our air, water and uh, through what they call deep well injections. They actually go all the way down in the earth and find our clear water aquifers, and they pump these poisons into that. 
they dumped tons of it into the Mississippi River and tons upon tons into the atmosphere where we don't have any choice but to breathe it and to be exposed to it. To compound that, we have huge, these huge conglomerates are given by the state normally uh, just in the last year or two, I think, thanks to Governor Edwin Edwards. That power has been given back to the local parishes to determine for themselves if we want to let these billion-dollar corporations off with these these unbelievable tax exemptions uh, that that the state has normally given them for whatever reason. But in St. John the Baptist Parish, for instance, we have Marathon, which has a $3 billion exemption in taxes, if I understand right what it is that we're being faced with. So uh, as a result of the changes at the state level, where now the parishes now have the authority, the ability to levy these taxes or give these corporations these exemptions. Fortunately, our school board decided that it did not make sense to give away tens, possibly hundreds of millions of dollars to these rich corporations, and our schools are suffering terribly. As a matter of fact, it was just this year that the school uh, uh, came to the people, and we taxed ourselves. We added another millage to our property to pay taxes to the school, while a company like Marathon is getting away with billions of dollars in exemptions. So fortunately, the school board, when they find out, they, when they did find out that they had the ability to get this tax money for the people of St. John Parish, they did. They refused to give this conglomerate all of these big tax exemptions, and that's going to make, especially in the long term, but even in the short term, it means tens of millions of dollars coming back into the parish, which has been denied them. DuPont uh, Marathon has been here 30 or 40 years, and these are the kind of dollars that the parish has been denied. And that made us, especially the people who are primarily impacted by the negatives of these plants. For instance, in my neighborhood, which is on the census tract 708, EPA has declared that we are the, at the highest risk in the United States for cancer as a result of uh, DuPont Danker. We are nearly 800 times the national average. I know that doesn't sound real. It doesn't make sense that uh, this giant con corporation, foreign or whoever they are, they, I think they're a Japanese company now, would be allowed to come into our poor and black community 
and actually dump that much poison in the air and affect the health and the lives of the people in in this community. It's it's really um it, it's just astounding. It truly is and but it's it's astounding that it's it's prevailed all these years with so a little resistance, and I don't mean from your community, but from the state who really um, has used to have control over this, the EPA. Where was the EPA all these years? Surely you all went to see them and talk to them. What did they tell you? Uh, uh, when we went to, to uh, our region, I think it's Region 6 uh, out in, in Dallas, the people were very... Uh, cooperative and and were helpful and a matter of fact it was them that brought this chloroprene issue to our attention in mid-summer of 2016 they held emergency meetings in our parish uh <clears throat> they came to a central location in the parish which happens to be reserved sitting right under the dupont Danker plant and they held a community meeting to advise the people in St. John Parish that our entire parish was being poisoned by DuPont at levels that were unacceptable. EPA set a level of 0.2 micrograms per cubic meter. And nowhere in St. John Parish was there a safe level of chloroprene? The entire parish was being un, was being inundated by this carcinogenic chemical just in the air. Besides the tons that's dumped into the surface waters and that's being pumped into the ground into the well water systems. They came in 2016 to let us know, and they began to set up monitoring systems. They forced DuPont to monitor, to do fence line monitoring, and EPA also monitored. And when we got back the results of the, those first uh, monitoring efforts, we were astounded. We found that the elementary school... 1,500 feet from the fence line was those 500, four to 500 elementary school children were being exposed to levels of chloroprene from 400 to 700 times what EPA says is a safe level. What did EPA four do about to it? 700 times. Robert, what? Elementary school children. What what did EPA do about it at that time when those monitoring results came back? Nothing. We we were we were under the impression that EPA since they came to us, they made this information available to us. They set these standards and we were sure that they came to Protect us like the environmental protection, <laughs> the EPA. 
we were sure that that's what they came to St. John Parish to do. It wasn't until a year later in our struggles that we were informed that they would not enforce that 0.2 standard that they had set. And DuPont flaunted it. The Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality, the head of that organization, came to reserve and insulted us, made fun of us, and he said to us clearly that he wasn't even concerned about that. That that standard that zero. He was with what? Standard. He was with the environmental quality. Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality, and who headed was... by Mr. Chuck Carl Brown, when he was brought before our council as a result of the work that the concerned citizens was doing in trying to uh, attack the, uh, this this problem, he was invited to the council to speak. And when he stood up before the council, the first thing he did was point at me and single out my organization and told the council and all of the people in St. John Parish, because this council meeting is videoed, that I was a fear monger and that my organization was nothing but troublemakers and that we were spreading lies and that nobody in St. John Parish should pay any attention to us. He attacked us outright in the public at our council meeting and our elected officials, the people that we elected to represent us, allowed this person to come down from Baton Rouge into our community and attack us. Not one of those elected officials in St. John stopped that man. They allowed him to attack us, tell these horrible lies about us, and tell the public that we were to be totally ignored. So so let me ask you this question. Those, those people on your council... Are, are they from uh, your neighborhood? Of course. We have uh, – uh, 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 I'm in the third councilmatic district. That district was represented by a gentleman that grew up in that community just as I did. I've known him and his family all my life. So, so, so why was he on their side instead of on the side of you and your neighbors? I think that that is a good question that should be asked of him. When we got about a petition, when DuPont, after, after we brought this to the attention of everybody, DuPont came up with a plan, and it was a diversionary plan, and we know it. We said it then. We got out a petition and to petition our people, our government officials, and the people not to buy into this trick that DuPont was going to pull on us, something called an automatic order of consent or something. We don't, I don't even know what it meant, where they was asking the people in St. John to tolerate another year of this awful poisoning, and they would reduce the poisoning by 85%, which to me was a joke. Plus, it was very telling. If they have known that they could have got away with not with 
85% less of that poison, why did it take us to have to come and bring the attention to the, of the people to this issue? For them, why would they dump that much of that poison on our communities? And I knew then that this was merely a trick. So we had a petition that we were passing around for people not to join in DuPont with this farce. This particular councilman put before the council an ordinance for them to vote on, to vote in favor of DuPont, against the concerned citizens of St. John the Baptist Parish, so that, against so, his constituents. So, so let me ask you this. Why, why do you think he did that? Are the, are the council uh, candidates getting um, contributions, political contributions from DuPont? I don't, I don't know. We have no way of knowing. Uh, I think it would be illegal, but why uh, is the question to be asked? I don't think it's illegal. Uh, is it ethical? Is it the right thing to do for your uh, your community? No, but I, I don't know about the legality factor. But um, you know, because the the laws that were the um let me put it this way the the uh, uh the supreme court interpretation of election laws that allows uh greater freedom for companies to uh invest huge quantities just like this guy Sondland who gave um Trump a million dollars i mean that's kind of an unconscionable a process of allowing wealthy people and companies to buy politicians so that basically the politicians, of course, are responding to the companies and not to people. What's your next steps? What happens now? I mean, I, this is this is a terrible story, of course, uh, but it, it is so impressive that you guys have been fighting it and impressive what they did in uh, East Baton Rouge. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like we should push every single uh, petrochemical company out of the state, but I think that we do need to achieve some kind of balance, and um, balance is not allowing 800 times um, the healthy levels of chemicals uh, to be uh, infused in the air and to be putting it into your well water and into the water into the Mississippi River. That's that's everybody downriver from that is is exposed to it as well. Exactly, well, it's all coming downriver. And 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 if you think what they're doing in St. John Parish, you don't want to hear what they're doing next door from us in St. James Parish. And we are getting that plus what they're doing in St. John. And so, what we have here, since I've been in this now for three years, I found out that from the federal level down, nobody wants to deal face-to-face with this petrochemical industry in what is called normally called Cancer Alley yeah. uh, between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. We we contacted our congressman to no avail. We contacted our state representatives, uh, state senators. We got two black men that we voted, that we sent to Baton Rouge. We got no support from these men when it came to dealing with these chemical plants. Who's your congressman? Who's your congressman? Cedric uh, Richman. Cedric Richman. Is our U.S. congressman. And he he didn't respond? 
Uh, no, he did nothing to help us. And and your two uh, state representatives, who were they? Uh, we have a, a state representative Gaines, and we have a, 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 a just reelected senator. I'm trying to think of his name now. But these guys are uh, uh, even on some of the uh, the senators' uh, uh, literature, campaign literature. It had lobby and uh, ACI, these chemical industry uh, lobbyists. I mean, uh, they, they, uh, they, he didn't even hide that. People were calling me from upriver, telling me about his advertisements that showing that it was paid for by, by lobby. Uh, that's the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry or something like that. These big, powerful uh, lobbying co- companies. Yep. Uh, so it's hard. Uh, it's hard for us as as poor folk. We don't have all the resources. My my poor organization. I'm so put out that they have been under attack. These are just everyday people. Most grandmothers and grandfathers, like myself, uh, some retired, like myself. Uh, but we sacrificed. We have for three years. We've been fighting this, and we've been attacked, not only by people like from the DEQ, but from our local government officials. Blatantly attacked us, called us troublemakers, called us clowns, warned the people in the community not to deal with us not to join us in our struggle to get those chemicals reduced that are being put upon us. These is what the the local politicians engaged in from 2016 on. Not to mention before that. Before that, there was nothing being done. People were suffering quietly and in ignorance. We did. We knew. We knew that that plant was causing problems. Uh, this this area had been called Cancer Alley for years. Speaking we of which, what, Cancer what, Alley. what what is your? Uh, do you have a higher cancer? You must have a higher cancer rate. What kind of cancers are happening there? Oh, the numbers are the numbers are frightening. We just had a study done. Uh, by the University Network for Human Rights. Stanford University sent down a team, and they did a study. They interviewed 500 families, and it showed, as we all suspected, that the closer you were to the DuPont plant, the higher the cancer rate the higher the respiratory illnesses, the skin diseases, uh, kidney diseases. Uh, uh, cancer is not the only uh, problem with this, with this chemical. And then I want to say this to you and to the people that might be listening. We're talking about chloroprene, which is just one of 29 chemicals that is that is dumped in our air and water and land. What is the cumulative effect of the when you mix 
uh, tiling with chlorine and benzene. That's what they're dumping on the poor black people up and down the Mississippi River between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Let, let, let and me ask I you. want to express this to you. These are black communities that are disproportionately affected by these chemical plants. That's what I was about to ask. Yep. The, the, the 708 uh, uh, census tract that is the worst in the United States is 99.9% black people, working class people. $17,000 a year incomes. And DuPont said to us in a newspaper article, we need to prove what we are accusing them of. And to me, that was the greatest insult. And that indicated to me what type of monsters that these people are. They are monsters. They come here with their billions of dollars and come up into my poor community. I'm a poor, struggling black man who was fortunate enough to be able to build a home that was before DuPont ever came, thought about coming there. And then they came, and now my home is worthless. It's too dangerous for me to live there. And they got the audacity to put in the newspaper that I need to prove that they are harming me. They are monsters. They are inhuman creatures. I don't know where they come from. I don't know if it's just basic, pure racism or they are just evil people. How could these billionaires come into my home and destroy it and then say I have to prove that they're the ones who destroyed it? Where is the government? Where is the black church? Where are the black politicians? St. John the Baptist Parish is a majority black parish. Every parish-wide official in that parish is black. There was only one office that, that maintained a non-black, and that was the uh, clerk of court. They consistently re-elected that lady because they liked her. She was fair with them, I guess. But other than that, we elected all black officials or what we thought were black officials. Not one of these officials, there was only one councilman at large that supported the concerned citizens of St. John and that put his his reputation and life, his life was threatened by some DuPont employees because he made the statement to Channel 8 that if DuPont did not reduce their poisons in the air to a level that is established by EPA as a safe level, that they need to shut them down until they can operate safely in our community. For that, that man was ostracized. They put all their forces together, and they got him kicked out of office. Wow. Oh. And I want to say that in front of the whole world. I hope the people in St. John the Baptist Parish are listening 
because they voted the DuPont guy in and kicked the guy out that was working for them, that had put his reputation and life on the line for the people of St. John the Baptist Parish. I am so very upset that that is the way they repaid this man for his loyalty. He was the only elected official in the state of Louisiana that stood by the people of St. John the Baptist Parish in their fight against this monstrous conglomerate called DuPont Danker. He told them to do the right thing or shut down their operation. What, what's his name? Larry Seraparu, Jr. So, Robert... Um... I, I, uh, I, I just, your story is just heart, heartrending. It truly is. And, uh, you know, one would think that if it was so important to these companies to maintain their manufacturing, their plants in this state, that the least they could do is to exactly as you said, get their emission levels down to what is theoretically safe. I don't think any emissions are safe, but at least under EPA safe levels. It, it's really just a, a, a terrible story. But here's what I want to say to you. Having gone through the post-Katrina stress, I want you to take care of yourself. And I hope that as you work on this and and you have, I hope, increasing support from your community to get behind you on this, I want you to take care of yourself because I know the stress that this could cause. And um, uh, I, I want to uh, help you get the word out. I want you to stay in touch with us and, and tell us how things are developing and let us help get the word out uh, with you. I don't know what the listenership in your area is uh, with our station um, uh, Jazz, do you have any idea? How, do we extend into say, gee, can you listen to be okay up there, um, Robert? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it reaches there, and I think we're going to be, you know, um, improving our reach soon. I hope so. Um, I hope that uh, there are people in your area listening because if they heard what you just said, I cannot see how they would. Um, allow the um, emissions that are being put out there to continue. And I hope that you can get the legal help that you need. And, and let's see if we can't get these companies to do the right thing. If they want to be able to function here and manufacture here, okay, fine, if they do the right thing by the people in the community. I admire you enormously for your spunk and your clarity in, in how you have expressed what's going on. I am very clear from what you have said about what's going on. And I'm, I'm very, very sorry that the public officials who have responsibility have ignored you all. Um, now look, I want you to have a nice Thanksgiving. I want you to be with your family and enjoy it and, um, and keep up the fight. Um, and we're going to see what we can do to to um, help you get the word out and go forward with you on this because um, I think that what's required here is is kind of a relentless effort. And I do think that these Together Louisiana folks 
have impressed me in in what they're doing, and maybe they can really help you as well. And um, maybe this can be, again, a breakthrough such as they had in East Baton Rouge. Oh. We are certainly hopeful, and we certainly do appreciate you. And uh, we'll be happy to keep you informed and up to date uh, uh, with how our situation is going. All right, and and we'll try to make an effort to communicate with these companies, although I doubt that it's going to have um, uh, much of an impact. But uh, we'll we'll do what we can on our end. Robert, thank you for what you're doing, for being a good citizen, and for caring about your neighbors. That's so important. And um, we talked a lot on my show the past few weeks about the importance of voting. And last week we talked about the importance of keeping up the advocacy work because it's not enough to just vote. You have to stay with it. And I know that that's what you've been trying to do is stay with it. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, thank you, Jean. We appreciate you. All right. you have a Please have a good Thanksgiving, okay? Thank you. You too. All right. Um, Folks, uh, that has to be one of the strongest um, stories I've heard in a long time about um, basically what I would call malfeasance in office. Um, It it, it, it certainly is one thing to promote our state for uh, industry that obviously wants to be here because of the river. It's another thing to let them to destroy our environment. So I, I can't see why we can't come to a relationship that uh, is is good for everybody. Uh, I, I don't know that it can be, but um, we certainly need to get closer to it than we are right now. And, and I want to help people like Robert uh, do their jobs. Robert Taylor, thank you very much. We are going to take a deep breath and um, now um, enjoy talking about Thanksgiving. And I put in my newsletter, and again, I'll tell you all, the newsletter has a lot of um, content, and I want, if you want to get the newsletter, you've got to send us a notice asking us to include you in the mailing list. You go to Crosstown Conversations online, that's the name of our show, and you'll see how to do that. Um, So please do that so that you can hear more about what's going on. All right, so I think I have on the... um, Radio right now. Is this Alex? Hello. Hi, Alex. Are you on the phone? Yes, I am. Okay. All right. Y'all, this is who I have on the phone. Alex Lucas is a day manager with Mothers, one of our legendary poor boy restaurants in New Orleans, of course. And not just poor boys, of course. They do so many other things. And I've been going to Mother's ever since I arrived here in about 1973, two actually, when I first came here. And then 73, I settled here. And um, I worked at WDSU for many years. And all my photographers, they wanted to take their lunch breaks at Mother's. And we'd call ahead and we'd get our food. And there was a guy named Eddie who basically ran the place way back then. And and we would come in and tell Eddie what we wanted. And, um, I mean, I wanted everything there. Particularly, I wanted the uh, debris on grits. That's one of my favorites. Or debris on a biscuit. Um, or or ham and all those big, fat, poor boys that you all serve. Uh, but then we discovered that you do Thanksgiving. And for someone who does not love spending a long time in the kitchen, we discovered that um, your turkeys and your oyster stuffing and your greens and your sweet potatoes were just fabulous. And 
I thought we would share with our um, listeners a little bit about how you guys go about developing what you what you put out there for Thanksgiving and tell me why your turkeys are so good. And then we're going to talk about that famous oyster dressing. Tell me about your turkeys. They're always really tender and juicy and flavorful. What's the secret? Uh, well, we the turkeys, we actually, uh, you know, we season them ahead of time uh, to get that, you know, let, let the, you know, let, let it get that developed a flavor in the meat. And then we, uh, you know, coat it with some butter, a little canola oil. We'll stuff the cavities with some mirepoix. And that mirepoix is like your onions, your celery, your carrots. And then we slow, uh, slow cook them. And, you know, just baste them throughout the cooking process. And then we will ro- rotate the turkeys. And, uh, you know, we turn them, you know, like, uh, think of a clock and we turn them a quarter turn until, until it completes its, uh, cooking process. So it'll give it that nice, even cooking and you get, you develop that, that nice caramelization on top. So we put a lot of work into it. So, um, uh, the one thing I wanted, so when you say slow cook, give me a little bit of the time frame. Uh, when I sometimes cook my turkeys uh, in a little country spot that we've got in the woods, the stove out there left over from the prior owners is electric. And that darn thing is so fast that I've got my turkey is sometimes cooked in like about an hour. And I don't program it to do that it's just that the stove is so hot that happens they come out okay but um when you say so slow cook give me give me a little bit of the time frame on that well uh we we put the ovens we we put them at about a at a 325 uh you know 300 you know 300 325 we we control the temperature um because every oven you know it's different you know because we we have we have like 17 ovens. So when we're cooking turkeys, or especially around the holiday season, we have different size turkeys we use. We have our small turkeys and our large turkeys. So the size they'll cook at, you know, at a different yeah. time frame. But the, the main thing is you want to do it low and slow. So you keep it at 325, and you want to con- continually, you want to put some liquid on the bottom of the pan. So you want to add some you can water, or chicken broth, or um, you know, everybody. Everybody has a different way of cooking, but you know, you want you want to have that liquid on the bottom, so that when you're basting it, you're basting the the liquid and the and it's the turkey's own juices back onto the turkey through the cooking right, process. Right. So, so an eighteen, you know, twenty pound turkey. You know, you're looking at about a, a six-hour cook time. Uh, wow. So if you cook it, if you're cooking it at a higher temp, then you're not giving the the bird the, the chance to develop the flavors, and and because the outside will cook faster than the inside. Yeah. So you you'll wind up with a drier bird when right. when it's all said and done. But by doing it slow, low and slow. And, slow and slow, mm-hmm. and then you know, and, and you, you just keep that basting, and like a, and throughout the cooking process, I, I, I like to t- 
turn the the bird, rotate the bird in the oven, so it's giving an even cook around the the uh, the the around the bird. I got it. That's uh, that's about that that that's uh, that's stuff I didn't know. Believe it or not, I, again, I'm, I I have about five recipes in my entire repertoire, and people think I I cook well because I've got a great barbecued shrimp recipe and a great pan broiled oysters and. A couple of other, I make like a, a uh, shrimp clemenceau that's really good that I basically stole from Galatoire's online. But, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, and I, I cook a, a, a turkey I learned from a woman named Rosemary James, who was one of my, um, uh, associates when we were both in television and, and she taught me how to put little pockets of garlic all over the turkey and, and then put rosemary and salt and pepper in a lot of olive oil. So that's, that's how I get some flavor into mine. But the slow cooking and turning it around, that's important. And I, I, I didn't know that. I really didn't. So that's the explanation for why your turkeys are so, so tender and delicious. Let's talk sure. oyster dressing because this is again something you're really known for and it's special. It's, it's a little bit more elaborate, huh? Correct. Uh, you know, the, the, Jerry Amato, who's the, the executive chef and now one of the owners, uh, he passed away. You know, we miss him very much, but his recipes that he created that we use, it's, it's amazing. And, and this oyster dressing that we make, it's this, it's, it's so good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's scratch. It's, it's made from, you know, from the heart and, we, we developed the flavors in it, and it's, really, it's a really good oyster dressing. So let's see. Uh, I'm looking at the recipe, and we have it in our newsletter. So this is another reason why folks should get the newsletter. Um, uh, Clara, I'm not going to give all the dimensions, but it's butter, onions, bell pepper, celery, onion, garlic, black pepper, basil, oregano, thyme, bay leaves, of course, the oysters and oyster liqueur, Mm-hmm. And uh, Italian seasoned breadcrumbs, Parmesan cheese, and ham fat or bacon diced small, a quarter cup of olive oil. Oh, my God. I mean, what Correct. isn't so, in your oyster dressing? Well, you know, with one of the, the staples of New Orleans uh, cuisine is having that holy trinity of right. that onion, bell pepper, and celery. It helps. It does the basis of the recipe that we build on and then we build you got to add that love so you got to add that butter uh the garlic and then you, the herbs gives it that 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 body to the to the dressing and then the, the oysters of course you want to get that oyster liqueur you know so if you're doing fresh shuck oysters for it you you, you don't want to rinse those oysters off you know you're going to lose that flavor of the of the liqueur that's in the oyster, that, that brine basically that, that you add into the, uh, to the dressing. And then of course, Jerry being Italian, we gotta, you gotta throw that Italian seasoned breadcrumbs in it, uh, to, on, uh, on top of it to give it that texture and crunch to it along with the Parmesan cheese. Now, of course, you know, we're known for our hams, so we gotta have, we gotta, we gotta add that ham fat. So my butchers, when we, when we, when we're breaking down the hams, you know, we'll take the ham fat off and then we'll make what is, con- we call it, it's, it's ham crackling. We'll make the ham crackling and we give that up to the customers and then we'll take that ham fat 
and then we'll use that in to give it some more dimension to the uh to the dressing to to really give it a its own that mother's flavor that mother's ham flavor that we we do at at, at mothers oh my god do i love your ham of course um so if you don't mind um alex i'm going to join in one of your you might call him a competitor, but he's also a compatriot, right? So if you're in the restaurant industry in New Orleans, you all are um, competitors but friends. And so Justin from uh, Parkway Bakery and um, how do you say it? Parkway Bakery and Tavern. Thank you. Parkway Bakery and Tavern. I always get the Parkway part, and then, you know, that's what everybody always says, has has also joined us. And what they do is they have a turkey poor boy on Wednesdays before Thanksgiving. That, that, that sounds like a fairly straightforward and simple idea, but for some reason that is like, crazy pandemonium with lines of people waiting outside to get those turkey poor boys. So what's the damn special about your turkey poor boys, well, Justin? Well, it's, it's probably – how you doing, Alex? How you doing? Good, man, good, good. And, and me and Alex, we're on the same team. I mean, you know, we probably – we do thousands of sandwiches a day, and it's, it's, it's a culture that – is New Orleans, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice to, I don't know if I've ever met you in person, but it's nice to talk to you. Definitely. I'm, I'm, you know, we, we, you know, the goal is we always want to promote the New Orleans cuisine and our flavor and, you know, thousands and thousands of people travel to, to New Orleans because no place in the country or the world can you get the melting pot that makes our cuisine what it is. You got that right. You got that right. And and so what we do, Gene, is uh it's it's just how Alex described, you know, but you know, it's our own twist. There's no faking a Thanksgiving meal. There's no just quick fix or quick production of a Thanksgiving meal. Uh you gotta you gotta cook that turkey low and slow. You gotta season it just right. You gotta inject it, you gotta rub it down and massage it with butter, and you gotta throw it in the oven till it's has it's nice this is and getting a little as as the as the one of the commercial on television says, oh, this is getting a little weird. Yep, yeah, <laughs> that's what makes hey weird works, uh, and you got it. You got to do it right, and and that's what we do. So, but it's 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 so uh, labor intensive. We do it every Wednesday in November. The reason why, because we have about ten ovens, and we're always cooking roast beef. Well, on Tuesday, we're closed, and usually we do cook roast beef on Tuesday, but during November, we fill it up with turkeys, and uh, we, we roast these birds, and it can, it, we, sometimes we do two turns. We've even gotten help from uh, Pigeon uh, Catering up the street from us, who has a rotisserie, uh, has a rotisserie uh, oven that help, they help us keep up and, and, and cook these turkeys, and and. You, you can't fake it. What we do is we, we cook these 20-pound uh, turkeys. We put them on a chopping block. We uh, hand-carve them, that dark meat, white meat, that crispy skin. You know, you, you can't fake that flavor. You know, a lot of people, even they'll do Thanksgiving meals and they'll buy a turkey breast, uh, slice it, and serve it. The flavor comes out that bone. The flavor comes out that white meat and dark meat and all the fat and, and, and gristle, you know, it that comes like with the turkey. Sounds like you're talking about New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll, 
what I just did before I came over here, after we, uh, you know, trim all the all the meat off of it and get as much dark meat off the, the legs and the thighs we can, we, we, we put the bones in a pot with a mirepoix, and they're going to roll overnight uh, to make a rich stock, and then we make a cornbread dressing with it, and, and that's what it is. It's a leftover sandwich, and it's it's the uh, uh, stuffing. It's and we do a half cornbread, half Leidenheimer French bread, and we season it up. Right oh, there. so wait a second. So in other words, the poor boy itself has not just the turkey in it, but stuffing too. Yeah, oh. it's a layer of stuffing. Oh, now you have me. It's now you the have roasted me. turkey. It's the cranberry sauce. It's gravy. It's everything like what cranberry you do on the next day. Cranberry sauce too. Yeah. So it's the whole it's the whole thing on French in bread. a French bread. Where else gotta, but in New Orleans? You, you gotta know. love the French bread because you know, uh, you know, Leidenheimer. You know, they, they put a great product out for the bread. We we use our Leidenheimer as well for our turkey po' boys because uh, we, we we sell turkey po' boys year round. Where we have our ovens rocking all day long. Uh, we start you know we go from hams to be to hams, turkeys, beefs overnight and. Yeah, definitely. That bread it, it makes that sand, it makes that poor boy uh, completes it. I got to tell you guys that I have a special connection with Leidenheimers because the home that I live in was was um, not built originally, but uh, um, bought and adjusted by the owner, the first owner of Leidenheimers, way back around the turn of the 19th to 20th century. So um, I have a a special affection for that bakery because of that connection. But, um, okay, so how many people do each of you think you serve on these days? Well, I I know uh, at Parkway, you know, we, we, this is, it's a, it's a really busy day and, we probably have about 10 people making these turkey sandwiches uh, when, when a lot of them would be frying oysters or, or, or serving roast beef. It seems like everyone's, you know, coming for that turkey sandwich every Wednesday in November. And we'll do about uh, about eight to 900 of that one sandwich. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> every Wednesday in November. And it's, it's – uh, it's gotten so fun with this line. There's, lo- there's ladies in lawn chairs that – they come every Wednesday and they wait. They're there about seven in the morning, drinking coffee, reading the paper, waiting in lawn chairs. Oh, what a vision! And uh, we've we've partnered. This thing's so powerful. We've partnered with the Al Copeland Foundation, and as everybody knows, Al Copeland uh, Senior was uh, you know he founded Popeyes and he was known for the Chicken King in New Orleans. Well, he passed of this rare cancer called Merkel cell carcinoma. And he had more money than anyone, and he couldn't he couldn't find a cure, and he passed away from it. Well, on his deathbed, his son vowed to start a foundation and end this type of cancer, and they're they're doing it. They're doing it left and right. There was a man stricken uh, a couple of years ago with the same cancer that there wasn't a cure for, and because of the Al Copeland Foundation and uh, immunotherapy, he's cancer free. Wow. So I partnered with this, and the the. The fundraising aspect is pay $50, skip the line. Oh, and interesting. people are And that and that goes into And it goes right the to the foundation. foundation. Skip the line, That's get cool. the sandwich and fries are included. And this is the, the fundraiser goes from 11 to 2. Every Wednesday in November, so that's only that's 3 hours times 4 Wednesdays, that's 12 hours 
Last year, we raised $11,000. That's so cool. And this year right now, going in tomorrow, being the last day, we're probably at about 12. Wow. That's fantastic. Now, um, Alex, I know that you, with your turkeys and your stuffing and your um, greens and uh, the sweet potatoes and all that, you do that on a kind of catering basis in addition to serving it inside the restaurant. So you must have a lot of people coming around to pick that up. So what do you have any kind of numbers on that? Oh, wow. Uh, basically, we have people pick we, we, we have people picking up our orders from starting from pretty much from Sunday. It already started people picking up orders all the way through Wednesday. So we we create what I like to call the organized chaos. So we have our we have our boards where we're knocking out the orders, and this, we have the chef. He's, chef Roland's been cooking around the clock, uh, keeping up with the the demand for all our holiday fixings, like the the, the baked macaroni, the sweet potato casserole, uh, the oyster dressing, cornbread dressing. We have all our assorted pies that we're doing, the turkeys, the hams. And of course, a lot of customers they want that day free. You're making uh, me hungry, Al. <laughs> I'm getting so hungry. <laughs> so it's it's we we put out a, a huge amount of product, and it's just crazy. It's just crazy that the amount of people that are coming in for this, and this even we got customers they're coming in from Mississippi, Texas. Arkansas, they'll come in for a day or two and then come with their ice chest, load up their dressings and all their holiday fixings they want and drive back home. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys kill me. I want to say this. um, You know, I I, I don't know if you heard the first part of the show. It was a very depressing discussion about the pollution from the plants up the river that are killing people with with cancer. And I I thanked Robert Taylor for what he was doing to try to uh, do something about that. But uh, I also have to thank you guys for what you do, because I know I I was actually, you don't know this, I I was a waitress for Schraff's in New New York uh, in high school and college. That's how I... That's partly how I paid for my education. And Schraff's, I actually got a scholarship from them. My mother was a waitress, too. And so I have spent a lot of time in kitchens, big city kitchens, and waiting on tables. And I know how hard work in that world is. So I just want to tell you both how much I thank you, Justin and Alex, for Mothers and for Parkway, for what you do for all of us because um, you you make I don't know what life would be like without the food that you guys turn out. I really don't. Thank you, thank you so much. That's part of my Thanksgiving message. And um, again, in my newsletter, I thanked all the hardworking journalists, lawyers, and folks out there in the world who are trying to right the ship here in America, where we're having a really rough time. But uh, for those of you out there who are having too rough a time, just come to New Orleans and get online at Mother's or make your offer. I mean, get online at, at Parkway or put your orders in at Mother's and you will feel a lot better about the world. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 
Thank you. This is Gene Nathan. It's uh, Crosstown Conversations. We've come to the end of the show, and uh, I am so looking forward to Thanksgiving now that I have been hearing all this. I am starving. All right, y'all. Have a great Thanksgiving. Give thanks for the good things that have happened to you over the past year, despite some of the rigorous, difficult things we've been going through, too. Crosstown Conversations on WBOK. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you.